Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, Stephen Worley. Stephen left the corporate world to start his own business, and he did so in a very purposeful way. We have a conversation all about self-awareness, something Stephen argues is the most important skill in life, but nobody teaches you about it. This is an actionable discussion filled with tips and advice. In the interview coming up, Stephen lays out a framework for how to increase your yes to no ratio. I often talk about how it's just a numbers game and go ask as many people as you can for a job or an investment or whatever you want. And if you grind hard enough, eventually something good will happen. I really believe that. It's pretty much what my entire life has been based on. But as I continue to learn and evolve, I see that there's certainly a place for refinement, for a more careful pitch process. I've seen it with my startup. We came out of the gate hard and fast and talked to anyone and everyone that we possibly could. When I think back to some of those conversations, how we presented our business, ourselves, the opportunity, I cringe a little. But that's kind of how startups go. You learn a lot. I mean a lot along the journey. Now we're in a dramatically different place and how we communicate, the company, it's just so different. But we've already used up our first impressions on many people. And even though we're totally different now, it's difficult re-educating people. They have a view in their mind, and in many cases, that's it. You only get one chance. So I think you need a mix. The hard-nosed determination to just not accept no for an answer, but also when you're building something for the long term, and we'll be seeing people over and over for years to come, it's important to have a well-laid-out strategy of how you will engage the outsiders. Okay, that's it. Let's get into the good stuff from Steven. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Alex. Looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, we just like 30 seconds ago clicked <laughs> off your podcast and you know, I'm telling the listeners how it really works in podcast land. Well, I One think it's fun because I've never done that before. You know, I've been on each other's podcasts, but I, when we were talking, I'm like, I think it'd be more fun to like just do them back to back, like have a lesson. We were talking about rejection. You were sharing your philosophies and exercises on my show. I'm going to share a few on your show. I think there's just kind of a different way to like do this. So thank you for agreeing to the experiment. Yeah, no, I like the experiment. I'm glad I reached out to you. You know, we were talking about rejection therapy on your podcast and rejection and desensitizing yourself to the fear of it. And I reached out to lots and lots and lots of people and you were kind enough to get back to me, but so many people aren't. And I like, don't internalize that at all. That like what I'm doing is not good or someone doesn't like me or doesn't care. About I always me. like it's to like, respond. I mean, that's the bit of the people pleaser of me. Even if you're not going to be on the show, I still like to say, thanks for reaching out, but I'm going to pass on this one, you know, because I think I've been on the other side of being rejected so much that that I think it's just nice. And I think what I've learned, it's also a little bit, people remember that too, because so many people never do respond. 
Yeah, no, well, Stephen, good for you. That's a nice trait to have. I can tell you as I'm going through my life and, you know, getting rejected by investors all day long, that it's super nice for the ones that like actually, you know, write a message and say, here's why I'm coming in or not coming in. And like, I'm going to remember that. And so when my company is a unicorn and I'm like telling every single person, no, I'll look back in my inbox and and find those people. And 100%. uh, Like that's all what life is about. It's just building relationships. Everything is just a disguise of like building relationships. But also the most important relationship that everybody forgets is building a relationship with your true self. Everybody skips over that one. You're not going to have any good relationships in life until you have a good relationship with yourself. What's your process for doing that? Well, as anybody who listens to my podcast, probably ad nauseum is sick of me telling them that (laughs) the most important life skill to learn is self-awareness. It's the mother of all other skills. Think about it. Like you cannot learn other skills. You cannot learn about who you like to work with or what energizes you without a self-awareness practice. And the funny thing is, even though I think this is the most important life skill, it is not taught to us ever. It's kind of crazy, right? Like nobody teaches us that it is possible to really learn about ourselves and what makes us tick so we can make better informed decisions in life. Because to me, if I can get a little like radical, we have this industrial system from the 20th century where the system doesn't work as well if everybody's thinking for themselves, right? We need people to mindlessly be consuming stuff that they don't need so we can have higher profit margins, right? And I get more and more excited about the economy that we're moving into where people are thinking for themselves. And I think we can all be thriving economically if we are thinking for ourselves. We don't have to just be mindless consumers. Oh, and as listeners of my podcast know, I always talk about this difference between doing what society says you should be doing versus what you actually right, I define be as doing. supposed to be doing versus the I want to do, right? And you're right. You have to like constantly challenge yourself. I do that as a regular. So self-awareness to me as a practice means that you pick one thing in your life to observe and recognize that it's happening throughout the day and do it without judgment and just recognize when you see that thing happening consequences happening, you just ask yourself, are these consequences I want or not? It's not about judging yourself. It's not about being good or bad here. It's just about saying something that you want to change. So if all of a sudden you're like, I'm unhappy with my life, you might want to start paying more attention to every time you're making a decision. Ask yourself, am I doing this because I think I'm supposed to, or I'm doing this because I want to? And let me tell you, if you can just do that one exercise over a 30-day period, things are going to start changing. Yeah, that sounds powerful because, right, we all just kind of get caught up. It's like, okay, I wake up and it's a weekday, so I need to go do work or go to work or try to make money. And it's like, I hate doing all these things. If you can start figuring out what you actually like doing and are good at doing, then like just everything in life will kind of just fall into place, right? And it's funny. I just wrote a tweet yesterday because it occurred to me, a lot of times we buy ourselves treats, right? Like, or we spend so much time on social media when we're working in the conventional world. We do these things to make ourselves feel better because we have to pay the bills. We have to get a job. So I'll get the fancier car or house, or I'll get the extra ice cream or the glass of wine every day after work. But what happens if you started like saving all that money from all these treats you're giving yourself to kind of as a salve to the work that's making you miserable so you can really figure out how to create a life that does not make you miserable, right? So a lot of times it's kind of twofold. Not only is it finding out what it is that you really want to do, it's starting to spend a lot less money on stuff that you really don't need because that is your first source of funding to get out of that miserable work. Mm, That's interesting. Kind of like the band-aids. It's hard because it's like, oh my God, I had such a rough day. I deserve a drink. And I'm not saying don't ever have the drink or don't ever eat yourself the ice cream or if you really are into cars, get yourself that Tesla if you can afford it. But it's about starting to prioritize and knowing like, could this money be better directed towards something that's going to make me happier in the longer term? So I got laid off election day 2000. So I've been working for myself for over 18 years. 
And it took me five years to even accept that because I was taught to be an employee, right? For five years, I'm like, I was still looking for a job, even though I was freelancing, consulting, and doing all these businesses on the side. It turns out I was making more money than for my last job after five years, and I was having more fun, and I had control over my time. And I'm like, hold on a second. Why wouldn't I want to work like this all the time? And then so I did. I was committed to it. And then I uh, ended up starting a sales training business for the broadcast industry and did really, really well with that, except I wasn't exactly that motivated after a while of trying to get broadcasters to sell more digital advertising. It wasn't really feeding my soul. So I sold that business, the online portion in 2012 and let go of my last client in 2016 to focus full time on my current business, Life Skills That Matter, because I believe... Our workforce is headed toward an independent majority workforce in the next 10 to 15 years. What that means is most of us are going to end up working for ourselves in some fashion. And even if you have a traditional conventional W-2 job, you are going to be managing more of yourself, more of your work, more of your time than ever before. That what we think of a self-employed person today is going to look a lot more like that. A conventional worker 10 years from now is going to look more like a self-employed person today. So basically... You are going to have to manage more of yourself. And if you're going to manage more of yourself, you're going to end up working for yourself. That means you have to really learn about yourself, right? I always tell people you're the first resource of your business and its biggest obstacle. So that's why this whole self-awareness thing turns out to be super important. And this is why I teach life skills as I teach people about business, because you have to really manage yourself first to get the most efficient use of your attention, your energy, your time, your relationships, your skills, your knowledge in a way that you want to create and direct. I mean, I have this naive idea that I believe we can all create our own work, work that is in alignment with our values, needs, and abilities, because I think that's what we're all craving. We want to do work that works for us, and we're tired of doing what we're supposed to do. It's a funny thing, Alex. I mean, I think so many people don't want to be told what to do, but at the same time, we think we do want to be told what to do, right? That's why we're constantly seeking for permission in society, saying, ooh, do I need to get this next degree in order to get this next job, and I have to impress this person in order to be accepted over here? No, you don't. Just find out who you are, and you will attract the people who are most energized by you, and you're most energized by them. Wow. It's an incredible story. And basically, the moral of it is, is you have to be purposeful how you go through life and the interactions you have and the people you meet and the things you do. Like You have to start- Be intentional. Like Really think about, why am I- doing this right now, right? Why am I talking to Alex right now? Why is he talking to me? And start really challenging yourself about why you're doing what you're doing. I always tell people one of the best or most effective self-awareness exercises is journaling. And I know when I say that word, like the walls go up, but it could be whatever you want. It's just getting thoughts out of your head so you can start seeing patterns in your thinking and your feelings. So that way you can start saying, hold on a second, I keep thinking about this or this keeps bothering me. So then you have the awareness to start doing something about it because if it all stays trapped in your head, you never really get to see the patterns in a clear way to be able to do something about them. I don't do it. I release a podcast every single week. And at the beginning of the podcast, I talk for a minute or two about what's going on in my life. And so I do it once per week. And every week when I sit down to think about what I'm going to talk about, I've never have any clue. And then some stuff kind of, you know, comes to me and it always feels so good. It's so lethargic thinking about, you know, what happened in my week? What am I excited about? What am I not excited about? What am I scared about? And just, you're right. Like kind of crystallizing that exercise, doing that is really, really beneficial. And well, you're bringing up two great lessons. Number one, you need to have regular self-reflection. Again, that's part of self-awareness and checking in with yourself, at least on a weekly basis to be like, hey, how are things going? And asking yourself that now asking your friends or your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your family members, just like for yourself, 
right? And what I also liked hearing you say is that you kind of built in this self-reflection regimen based on the habit of putting out a podcast every single week. So a lot of times we all want to start a new habit, which I'm all about. You know, the engines of your business, especially as you're starting out, are your individual work habits. But to start a new habit, an easiest way to do that is to piggyback on an existing habit. So you might even like be doing that regular weekly podcast, instead of just thinking about what you want to say in that first minute, you might start jotting a few notes down now. And that could be the beginning of your journaling practice. I do, because if I don't write those notes down, (laughs) sitting down on Saturday morning just is super painful. I never have any idea what I want to talk about. The notes are really helpful. So where would you like to go next? Because there's like, there's lots of ground I can cover here. I mean, I love thinking about these life skills that matter. You know, on your podcast, we just talked about not being afraid of rejection. And that's certainly a life skill that matters. And we can talk about that. But what excites you? Like, what are these exciting life skills that you love talking about? Sure. I mean, the three most important life skills we've already covered. Number one is self-awareness, because that is the root of all skills. Number two, it's curiosity, right? I always love when people are saying, I'm not curious, I'm not creative. And I always tell them, you're a human. And guess what? It's not a choice. By the very nature of being a human being, you are curious. Every time you have a question popping to your head, or you're like driving along today, and you're like, why did that person cut me off? That's curiosity in action. And then finally, outreach. Another human need is to constantly be connecting with other humans. We evolve to work together and to thrive together. So we have to constantly be in that habit of reaching out. I have a 30-day accelerator where I help people become solopreneurs, kind of the capacity of being a coach, consultant, course creator. And the number one thing that most people avoid is outreach. And I I tell people that's not a to-do list item. That is a habit. It never stops. And do it in a way that's comfortable to you. Because there's a lot of times, like I was a former sales trainer. You know, I'm not going to tell an introvert to get out 25 phone calls a day because they're just not going to do it. So it's about finding out, rediscovering, using self-awareness. How do you like to meet people? How do you like to engage them? How do you like to follow up with them? Is it online? Is it offline? Is it a mix? How regular is it? What really energizes you? What drains you? And start bringing awareness to that. And then when you have an idea of how you like to reach out to people, start doing more of that. Strengthen that muscle and start expanding your comfort zone a little bit to do things that you might not normally have done before. It's a refined approach to the way that I talk about seeking out rejection. It's like just send more emails and get more rejected and eventually you'll get a yes. Yours is a much more self-actualized piece. Like, well, how do I like to communicate with people? And how do I like to hear yeses and nos and try to go get more of that? I really like it. I'm going to start incorporating that into my spiel. Well, I've always been a little bit more of an advocate of doing research up front because I used to work one-on-one with account executives at television and radio stations. They'd come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, nobody's getting back to me or I don't know who to call next. And I said, well, first, like, think about who you're calling on, you know, who excites you? So I would actually have them make a list of their passions and what they're excited about. I'm like, hey, here's some business niches here. You seem to be interested in golf. Why don't you go make a list of businesses related to the golf industry? And then why don't you then look at all the different media advertising opportunities that we have here and come up with a basic package for them to say like, hey, this is what I think would best drive your needs and just start going and talking to them and saying, I like what you're all about. I just wanted to see what opportunities you had or obstacles that you were facing. Kind of be that business therapist to them. You know, That's what I always tell people. Humans want to feel that they have been heard. I'm always telling people, somebody's going to buy your product or service for three reasons. One, it's the actual product or service. It's a solution that they really need to solve a problem that they're having, right? Pretty obvious. Number two, which a lot of people get is they're buying into you. They just like you. They like the values of you as an individual in your business. Number three, a lot of times people struggle with, and they are also buying that they believe that you believe in them. Let me repeat that. They are also buying you because they believe that you believe in them. 
So they also want to hear from you that you believe in their purpose, that you believe in their values, you believe in their mission in a genuine, authentic way. Even without hearing the words, they can tell if you're BSing them or not. So that's why it's so important to really do that homework of who has the problem that I'm solving? Who do I really like working with? Like I'm somebody who helps people start their own business. Guess what? There's a lot of people that I just can't help. You know, if you are just obsessed with like metrics and you want to make as much money as possible, you want to work 80 hour weeks, I am not your guy. But if you're somebody who wants to make money from something that you're doing that you're really good at, you're heart-centered, you want to work like 40 hours a week, you want to have more control of your time, creative control, I'm your guy. I can help you out with that. So I think that's what we don't do enough of is like, who the heck do I want to talk to? It's almost like even dating. It's like you can't be with everyone. You're only going to end up with one person. So who is that person? You have to be your radical self first so you can attract that person. Yep. This is the creating the business plan for your life. It's back to that being intentional. Absolutely. So, I mean, one way of dealing with rejection is just realizing that there are people who are already going to reject you. So why don't you do some research to figure out who is going to be a little bit more into you and what it is that you're doing so you don't call on the people who are just totally not going to be into you. Yeah, that spray and pray approach. I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of a numbers thing. You send a thousand emails, you know, maybe you'll get 1% back or half a percent back or something. But if you actually make targeted inroads to people and I'm reaching out to you because X, Y, and Z, and here's all the reasons why like, we'd be great to talk. Yeah, you're still going to get rejected like a shitload of the time, but it's going to be way, 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 way higher success than 1%. So last year, I did an experiment. I reached out to 50 podcasts in 30 days. Basically, I wanted to be a guest on their show. And I got on 25 of the 50, one out of two, which Anybody who doesn't know that or you're not impressed, that's actually really, really high. Really good, yeah. So why did that happen? Because I only reached out to podcasts where I really felt there was genuine alignment between the message I was putting out there and their show. Number two, I did a lot of research on each of the shows to say like, hey, what's a story I could pitch to them that they don't currently have in their podcast archive? This is an idea. Instead of pitching myself, pitching a story. So that way I'm helping them. And I think that's why I had such a high conversion rate. So again, just in that practice is really taking the time to understand them and find that target that is aligned with your values. Yeah. And that's true no matter what you want to be doing in life. You want to be starting your own business? Fine. Sure. Like you're going to talk to people, reach out for advice, friends, family, girlfriends, boyfriends, or just, you know, getting a regular old job. Like no one wants to hire someone that knows nothing about them, their business. Everyone wants to hire people that have points of view on things, even if they're right, they're wrong. And it doesn't matter. Just like have an opinion. Just another reframing of your mindset about rejection, something I've kind of recently kind of fell into place for me. Because a lot of times emotionally you can't help it. Even I tell you, you know, I've been rejected tons and tons and tons of times in my career. It's just kind of what it's like when you work for yourself. But what I've learned, a lot of times it stings still. What I've learned now to get over that sting of that rejection is that we're out of alignment. And we might be out of alignment, like it's a value alignment. I totally read them wrong and there was totally nothing ever going to happen there. And then I feel okay about it. I'm like, okay, I can see why this is never going to work. Or it's just timing. We are really into each other, but they just don't have the money right now, or there's some other obstacle preventing us from working together right now. It's no for now, but it's not no forever. And so sometimes with anything in life is just try to understand, like, a lot of times when we think of rejection, we take it personally. We take it like 100%, they don't like me, they've rejected me, right? And that is a very instinctual base way of looking at rejection. I think a more nuanced way is to start to understand that 
you can only be and interact with so many different people throughout your day. So don't necessarily be offended or somebody just might be in a really bad place in life. Like you might have the value alignment that you might be able to work together, but they just had a horrible personal thing happen in their life that you just don't know about. And they are like not in a good mood. And sometimes that is also something that's going to happen. So a lot of times I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. That's another way to deal with rejection. Sure. It's also a testament of like in life and business, the people that I've always, or the interactions that I've always thought, oh, this is the 100%, this is the person, the difference maker. I'm going to get to them and it's everything is going to, that person's never works out. Rarely, rarely, rarely does it work out. Or if it does, it's like, it's not as great as you thought it was going to be. It's usually like something comes out of left field and it's like, wow, I didn't even you know realize that this could be a possibility. And they come in and it's like, the same thing of life. Like you're out there pounding the pavement, trying to find a girlfriend that's like, oh, I need to talk to this girl, this girl, this girl, this girl. And like, it just doesn't happen. You're sitting in the shower saying, I need to think of a startup. I need to think of a startup. Like that's not how the world works. Like you're out there going through your day and you see some problem and it's like, huh, that's interesting. I could maybe solve a problem there. Or I meet someone, you know, at a restaurant and it's like, hey, this is a, a nice girl, but like just on my daily routine, rarely are you able to like put so much focus on something and it's just like, go make it happen. Yeah, I like where you're going because it's about finding that balance. We talked about the spray and pray approach where you just talk to anybody and everyone, even if they aren't aligned with you. And that's not necessarily something I think you and I are recommending. But at the same time, sometimes people are like, oh, this person is so hyper aligned with me. They're like my dream person. And we put all of our resources and attention on them. You really want to be somewhere in the middle because you want to increase your probability of getting somebody to say yes. So if you find somebody that you're really aligned with, you want to go find 5, 10, 20 more people who fit that same profile. Because if you're just going to put all your eggs in one basket and you focus on that one person, you are going to dramatically increase your chances of getting rejected. But if you talk to 20 versions of that person, you are dramatically going to increase your odds of one or two or more of them saying yes and end up working with you. Yep. I mean, it's the combination. It's you know doing all the legwork behind the scenes, finding the people, finding the reasons why you should connect, but still a numbers game. You still got to find a few more. It can't be all the eggs in one basket. You know what's so funny, Alex? I don't know if you dealt with this or as you deal with folks or you've heard of this before. It's amazing when I talk about people like really doing more of the homework up front so you can actually increase, I call it your yes to no ratio for every five no's you get a yes or whatever your ratio happens to be. But so few people actually want to put in the effort and to do the work to find the right people to talk to. Why do you think that is? Because I mean, that's what what separates the winners from the losers. But it's also preventing you from getting rejected though. Isn't that funny? It's like, do you want to go out and get rejected? Or do you want to do some work and put some effort in to reduce the effects of rejection on you? And still people, I would say it's still 50-50. Well, maybe there's something, you know, inside their head saying like, oh, I'm going to get rejected anyways. Like maybe I'll just put the least amount of work possible into that the rejection doesn't hurt so bad. Like they're setting themselves up to fail and that'll be a little easier, a little softer landing when they do fail. And then I think we also, back to our brains, it's always easier to blame somebody else than ourselves, right? And I'm going to tell you right now in life, and I know there's people listening to us that have had a really tough path in life, you know, probably things I hope Alex and I never have to go through, you've gone through. But making excuses, blaming somebody else, if you focus all your time and energy on that, you will never move forward in the way that you want to. One thing I've learned is like it's just not worth blaming somebody else, even if you're totally in the right, even if it's totally unfair, even if it's like justice isn't being served. Blaming somebody else, making excuses is not going to help you move forward because you really have to own yourself and figure out, okay, I don't have control over how this person or this organization has treated me. So I need to move forward and I need to move on. So I think if you can learn that lesson sooner in life, 
or this is another great self-awareness exercise. Just recognize how many times throughout the day are you blaming somebody else or making excuses for not doing something that you said that you wanted to do? Yeah. And I, even I, me, that happens more than I would like to admit, but I'm that, more that aware of it. Of but it's a core, core life skill. When you see these, you know, the best leaders in the world, the Steve Jobs types, I mean, yeah, they're getting upset about what's happening, but like they're not letting other people influence their success and what they're going to accomplish in the day and their week and their year. They're like just going out and making it happen regardless of what's going on around them. I meditate every morning. I say a whole bunch of stuff to myself. But one of the things I do say to myself every morning is I say, everybody is trying their best. I really want to believe that every person I interact with throughout the day is really trying their best. Like when somebody cuts you off in traffic, a lot of times you're like, oh my gosh, what a jerk, blah, blah, blah. What happens if you said to yourself, maybe his or her mother died and they're rushing off to like, you know, find them or be with them or go to the hospital right now. That's why they're driving like a madman or mad woman. But we don't do that, right? We always think people are acting against us. What if they're just acting in another way? I always want to remind people when it comes to rejection, that's an assumption that we're making that even but we don't want to ask somebody for something because we think they're going to say no. That is one of infinite outcomes of what could happen from that interaction. Your brain is making an assumption. So I'm asking you, test the assumption. Next time you say, I'm just going to get rejected. You don't know that because it hasn't happened. So why don't you test it out? Yeah, Stephen, I'm like so jazzed up after having this conversation with you, we're, we're really, I'm so fortunate that I have the podcast and get to speak with. I'm a fun video. sales trainer. I'm a human sales trainer. You know what I mean? I'm not like one of those boiler room guys. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I call myself, I'm pragmatic woo woo. It's heart centered in all this, really trying to understand humans yourself. But also there is the pragmatic kind of metric side to all of this, the numbers game that is business. At least I've discovered the most effective path is a mix of both of those things. Well, Stephen, I mean, this was just, like I said, this is a pleasure, pleasure speaking with you. Let's leave it with, with how people can find you and get more of you and get in touch with you and, and get more of your life lessons that are just like we all need more of. Sure. If you are thinking about working for yourself, or maybe you've, you've been working for yourself, but you're still struggling, I would head on over to lifeskillsatmatter.com slash get started to learn the first five steps to really working for yourself. And they might seem super simple. You might say like, oh my gosh, I knew this already. But most people do not practice them consistently. So do that and things will change. I love it. Always these baby steps. That's how you uh, build a mountain. You don't build it overnight. Start small and build up. Enjoy it like Alex is enjoying both building of his businesses. You know, he's a great model. So follow Alex. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Stephen. This was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you like moving up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends, helping us grow, and leaving us a review on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.